Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of the In The Hub podcast, brought to you by Playbox Technology UK. This week we're speaking to David Griggs, Senior Product Manager of Distribution Platforms at the Walt Disney Company. David has lent his expertise to the video delivery and media service landscape for over 15 years, working with major international broadcasters at AWS before his position at Disney. We talk about the benefits of the cloud for broadcasters, how on-demand platforms can beat decision fatigue, and what he envisions for the future of our industry. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the In The Hood podcast today, David. Um, how are you doing today? Doing very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. No, of course, it's very good to hear. Um, so just before we do get started on, on some of these questions that we've got for you today, um, just for a little bit of background before we do start, how did your career in broadcasting begin? Where did it all start for you? Yeah, it started about, um, I guess, 21 years ago now. I was working in um, Sydney, Australia, um, in the finance industry. I was working on futures and options trading, kind of derivatives trading with a friend of mine. And he got invited to um, join a startup that wanted to take some of the um, screen principles and screen trading principles and UX principles that we were developing for screen traders who were going through this transition of being on the floor and then suddenly having to work behind a computer and take some of those principles and those ideas and that freshness to the broadcast industry. And so we started a small company called Evolution Broadcast um, big shout out to those guys there. And um, yeah, where we took on the challenges of developing new UXs and new overlays for live production environments, particularly in the um, technical director, um, vision switcher um, seat, and also in the replay environment. Yeah, so it started there. Um, and haven't looked back. I've been, in, I've been in industry ever since. Yeah, perfect. And those guys are still going, still prospering. Well, no, actually, um, what happened was we ended up selling that company um, to Grass Valley. Um, and so that's how I um, got my move to the US since how I came to the United States was through that transition um, and bringing that um, experience, I guess, and some of the IP that we developed in Evolution um, to Grass Valley. Oh, brilliant stuff. Yeah. So I think a common theme running through your career, even even at that start point, um, is obviously this this aspect of you getting quite hands-on and involved in the technical side of broadcasting. And I know the technical side is such a huge aspect of this industry and it really is the kind of behind the scenes stuff holding the whole thing up, isn't it? Um so has, has that kind of technology always been something that, that you've been really focused on, something that you're really passionate about? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right to say that, you know, technology in our industry is so pivotal. I mean, as it is in so many industries, of course, um, but it feels like it's been a common thread for me. I mean, honestly, I was 10 years old and I, <laughs> my parents uh, purchased a Commodore VIC-20 for me and, um, um, and I, I just became um, completely enthralled with this idea that I could um, type some um, code into this computer and it would predictably do things um, and repeatedly do things. And that, uh, that simple idea just sparked this notion of how um, technology and automation can be so, I think, um, um, so positive in people's lives and in what better way uh i think in uh, then through entertainment right media entertainment is in general is such a positive experience in most people's lives and if technology can um help uh, enrich that i think that's a good thing uh yes yeah, so i'm a software engineering graduate you know that's that's what i went to school for 
I have 20 years of uh, C++ experience, which I suspect is uh, not particularly useful now. Might as well be COBOL. Um, but, you know, whatever. It, it was a really, um, it really helped me understand, I think, um, not just um, the technology itself or what it's capable of doing. And so as I've transitioned into more product-facing roles in recent years, I think that's been a really supportive, um, you know, trait, right? I've been able to understand that, you know, that, that how capable technology can be and how positive it can be in these environments. Yeah, but it is super important, absolutely. I think when you put it like that, it's quite hard to argue with, isn't it, David? It's, it's so useful having that kind of technical background when, like you said, going into these product-facing environments, it, it's so good to have that kind of background knowledge that, that you can, you know, then inform other decisions, uh, maybe more, con, you know, consumer-facing, market-facing. Yeah. Although I have to say my 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 experience has drifted somewhat from being you know front you know super relevant and so so I, I think these days people would probably describe it as having knowing enough to be dangerous <laughs> and maybe a little bit annoying in some engineering meetings right where maybe I overstep a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's all part of the fun, isn't it, David? Um, it is. Absolutely. So so looking back through your career again, uh, you've had so many great positions. Um, I think it's quite fair to say that you've been involved with your kind of fair share of both linear and non-linear. Uh, environments when it when it comes to obviously television and, and content uh, i'd been quite interested to get your perspective on this um and you, you hear this phrase getting thrown around quite a lot as of late um but do you think that, that this whole kind of idea this whole concept of linear tv do you think it's in any way dead or, or at risk of dying that's a really interesting question isn't it because i think 10 years ago when you know video on demand experience was in its uh, in ascendance and arguably still is of course um, you have to ask the question, well, why would I, you know, why would I watch television on um, a television channel's terms, right? Why would I have this appointment to view something? And I think to some extent, DVRs and even that good old VHS system somewhat introduced this idea of, you know, taking back ownership of when you watched content. And so when video on demand, um, you know, when Netflix kind of really pushed that model, it was transformative. And I think maybe to some extent we overcorrected, right? We were like, well, that's the end of linear TV. Um, it's all about that on-demand experience, you know, watching 15 episodes in the row of something, you know, till three o'clock in the morning. I mean, it almost became a, a sort of meme of itself, right? Um, but, you know, the reality is I think it was an overcorrection. I think that um, sometimes, um, much like we listen to radio or maybe services like Spotify, we're not necessarily interested in so much the on-demand experience as much as we are as having some entertainment on that might be taking more of a back seat, right? Maybe yes. more of a background role. I come home um, at night. Uh, well, I say come home, I work from home, but <laughs> I come downstairs from my office and, you know, I will put on maybe CNN, right, while I'm making dinner. And it's, and it's just something to listen to. I'm listening to it, but I'm not necessarily watching it. And so I think there's an aspect of linear that, needs to transform needs to uh, um to shift but it's certainly not dead and i know i wholly reject that 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 premise that in any way the concept of television that's brought to you without the need to choose something um is dead it just i think like anything else uh, it needs to look at its business model because clearly there is a um a new kid on the block um, but I think it still has a very strong place in in our homes uh, moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think even over COVID and lockdowns, uh, I think the linear kind of the importance of linear TV has really proved itself as well. 
And you can see that in some of the, the stats and figures yeah. um, that are going around. And the other thing we should forget is about, is, you know, I think there are two kind of great, um, I would say, like uh, bastions of live television, which are sports, of course. People like to watch their sports as live as possible. Uh, and news, right? We don't really want to consume the, yesterday's news. And so I think those two things are really supportive of linear. Uh, when it comes to the broader entertainment side of, I still think there's a, a huge role to play in children's television um, and frankly, uh, more specialized linear channels, right? I think that's the, the life of linear. It's about finding that diversity and using again the technology we have now to be able to support that diversity to create more specialized channels that um that are maybe going after a more niche um audience and i think you know that's happening right we're starting to see that we're starting to see that and i think that's a good thing and extremely extremely positive in my opinion yeah no i think that's some really interesting points there david and and since we're on this kind of topic of advancing technologies and, and adapting to those uh, with all of your experience obviously working with aws and and, and experience working with the cloud Looking from the outside in, do you think the broadcasting industry has really kind of embraced the cloud? Do you think they've welcomed it with open arms? Um, you know, or, or what is that kind of clear benefit for companies big and small? Yeah, I, well, I think the answer is yes. I think especially more recently, um, I think, you know, in my experience working at AWS, working with major broadcasters um, across the board, you know, and across the globe, um, everybody has at least an initiative around the use of the cloud to in some way facilitate their requirements right whatever that whether that's play out origination and of course i think super interestingly and more recently production right post you know that, that kind of pre-transmission stage of, of television which you know is so important and so i think um the answer to your first question is yes i think that there are very few um uh i would say uh, broadcasters at, at any tier um, th these days that have a zero interest in um, the use of the cloud in, in some way. Um, at least I hope so, because I, I think there was a time where it was kind of looked at a little bit um, as um, unnecessary or even um, a little bit of a fear of the unknown, right? It's like this, what, you know, we don't, we, we want to be able to hug our servers, right? <laughs> we don't, we don't need to have them virtualized. And I think that's fine, right? But I think we have transitioned through that. And I think that, I think through companies like AWS, who have been, I think, real leaders in that space, if I'm honest. Um, and I, I know I know that I used to work for them, so maybe I have a slightly biased view there, but I do think they have really pushed that um, um, uh, um, and really been supportive of that kind of transition from on-prem environments to the cloud. As to the benefit, you know, um, well, I, I think there's two words that come to mind to me. It's agility and accessibility, right? Agility is hopefully a clear one where, where you can spin up uh, resources that have, you know, uh, capability that you're already using in one part of the world, suddenly in five other parts of the world, and you do that in a matter of hours um, and respond, you know, um, to load and um, the growth of your business in this kind of very scalable and elastic way, clearly, the cloud uh, and virtualization in general, but 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 definitely um, the cloud. You know that's a very um, clear and obvious benefit to me that that agility um, and accessibility. Right? How many um, great ideas were going, um, you know, going south because you you couldn't raise the money to buy the equipment that you needed to to kind of develop the idea and to 
Um, and so this idea that bootstrapping of great ideas across any industry, but including our industry, the broadcast industry, are now <clears throat> way more accessible through the cost models that come um, with uh, cloud um, um, resources, Yeah, I think um, is fantastic for our business. And I saw that at AWS when we were, you know, in, in, as we were um, you know, in, in the course of doing business, we ran across multiple smaller companies that were born in the cloud that were there because they and only there because they had the access to that technology um, at, a, at a cost basis that didn't require them to have huge amounts of investment and all of that stuff that gets in the way of invention and i think that that's so that's another i think the accessibility side of the cloud i think is just so huge in that in that respect yeah and i think that's one we've been really seeing as well it's the both of those combined it's it's the ability to set up these temporary channels and 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 you know have them going on on this basis where you know they can test things out see how it goes see how it works and and not have to worry that they've just sunk you know many thousands of pounds into a server and they need to keep that going and everything so i think it's yeah the, the benefits are quite clear i think if you if you remove that fear of failure because you don't want to waste money one right um or time because it takes forever to try out new ideas. Well, if you if you take that away, then people become more experimental. And from that, I think, some probably obviously come great ideas because some things that um, I think would have gone on to be great contributions to our industry get kind of stuck um, in bureaucracy and, and economics. And I think that um, I think the cloud can be is super helpful in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, and, and just shifting the topic slightly, you know, moving on to this kind of idea of, of on-demand content and platforms. Um, for any media companies that are out there that, that don't currently have an on-demand platform, I know that they're, they're really thinning, aren't they, in, in, in their quantity. Uh, most of them now are, have either put plans in motion, um, about to launch a platform, or, or, you know, have already had a platform for a number of years now. Uh, would you say right now is the perfect time to jump aboard? Do, do you think maybe they're too late? Uh, do you still think they're too early in, in regards to on-demand platforms? Uh, you know, what's the thought process behind that? Um, I think content is king. <laughs> and it's, a, it's almost a cliche in our business. But if you have um, an interesting catalogue of content, whether that's, you know, wildlife cameras in Africa or um, a very um, specialised niche um, a cooking show or, you know, something that... Um, I mean, look at YouTube. YouTube is the perfect example of the, the VOD explosion and how you know relatively niche content can draw a huge audience. So the, the answer to your question is absolutely yes, now's the time. It's not too late. This business is not even close to being saturated. And we're out, and as as a as a as a um, globe, as a as a global population, our um, appetite for new, fresh, invigorating, interesting content is not in any way satiated, right? We are, we are still very, I think, um, large consumers. And so if, if anything, I think that, I think the accessibility of internet delivered, so-called OTT content has just, I think, um, given us a taste, right? And so I, if anything, now I think we're more um, are ready for for content. So I think that if if you are a media company that has um, a, um, an interesting uh, content uh, library, uh, yes, absolutely. Now is the perfect time to make that available to to a global audience. And 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 the good news is it's not hard, 
right? The technology is already there um, and frankly has been well tried and tested by uh, companies like Netflix and, and Hulu and, and others, right? That have really been there um, from an early, an early um, um, part of this, 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 on-demand, um, this on-demand kind of revolution that we've been going through. So yeah, absolutely, now's the time. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I think it, it, it's, um, that's not going to change in my opinion. Yeah, hundred percent. And and we've talked it up a fair bit. Um, but, but I just wanted to kind of bring up and, and talk to you about this idea of, of kind of decision fatigue or choice fatigue on these platforms. So yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of experienced my fair share of it on YouTube. Um, same with Netflix as well. If, if we sit down on an evening, uh, go to choose a title and you, you're just confronted with so many different titles, um, you know, sometimes it can be quite overwhelming, can't it, for consumers? Uh, have you? I just wanted to know if you kind of thought through this idea. Um, you know, how, how do you think media companies can kind of work to reduce this fatigue of, of trawling through these titles? Um, you know, what's the way forward? It's a really interesting phenomenon that I think was perhaps somewhat unexpected, but we're really a victim of the success of video on demand and on demand experiences in general. Um, there's a great book by the way, that I just want to put a plug in for called The Paradox of Choice. I think it's worth a read for anyone that's in the business of, of delivering um, um, the, uh, these kinds of um, uh, um, huge li- uh, media libraries. Um, yeah, it's a real problem, right? I mean, you, you make a good case where, you know, I don't know, in our family, and, you know, we sit down and we'll, we'll probably spend as, almost as much time going through endless tiles on um, our video uh, platform of choice. Um, uh, before um, agreeing on on something we want to watch, and and I think that problem is compounded when you know the more people there are in the room. I think it's probably proportional yes. to the number of people in the room, right? So um, and so there's been some there has been some innovation in this space. I think that we start to see recommendation engines that are powered by machine learning being useful. The challenge there is that the information they have to go on is is essentially your viewing. Um, history. And so what can happen over time is a sort of echo chamber effect where you're not really being introduced to anything new. You're being, your, your viewing habits are somewhat being supported and pushed inward rather than pushed outwards. So what's the solution? Well, I think what I would love to see, and I think YouTube are actually one of the few companies that are pushing this, although there's definitely some, um, I think there's definitely some other companies that are innovating in this space is this idea of um, playlist delivery, essentially of on-demand content. So think about the autoplay feature in YouTube. You know, when you get to the end of a video, if you have it configured this way on YouTube, you get a five second warning and then it plays something else. And it tends to be, at least in my experience, a little bit more um, uh, less driven by your viewing, um, uh, strictly at least by your viewing habits. And and sometimes you end up finding content that, perhaps you wouldn't have clicked on a tile for, but it's playing anyway. And it takes you down a whole new avenue of exploration. I I think Spotify, right, is a great example of seeding um, a a, a channel with um, a song or an artist that you like, and then it meanders through a much broader, I think a more generous ML, um, um, I'm guessing it's ML, um, algorithm. And it you end up discovering a whole bunch of music that you might end up then purchasing the album for. Or And so I think there's a concept there in television that can work. And there is definitely technology in that space, that, an innovation in that space where we can get this, I guess, pseudo linear experience, but it's really just constructed on the fly as a series of VOD assets that get 
strung together based on a, a perhaps a, a less um, less of a recommendation engine type ML algorithm, something a little more broader that, um, you know, I think back to Pandora and the whole music genome project where it's trying to compare beats, you know what I mean? And find music, that kind of stuff, right? It's just, I think there's room there in television. We have, we have the technology, we have, I think the, we certainly have the catalog. Um, so I think that would be a super interesting way to try and break out of that, um, echo chamber of, of just straight recommendation engines and also I hope would potentially even help solve some of the um, fatigue of like clicking through new yeah. tiles um, in your living room. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, but you know, I think there's, there's probably a, a bunch of ideas that could help with that. And I'm confident as an industry, um, you know, we will respond because I do think it's becoming a real problem and people, and people are becoming vocal about this idea that there's just, you know, they can't even remember which platform um, you know, a given program they've watched a couple of episodes of is on and they end up first thing you have to figure out is well was it on Netflix Hulu or, or Prime you know where, where was it you know there's that kind of problem too as well yeah yeah I, I, you make a really compelling case David I think um, in regards to Spotify yeah me thinking back uh, the radio feature on that when, when you obviously finish a playlist it, it starts playing songs that you know I assume it pulls data from everywhere doesn't it you know what, what similar listeners listen to and stuff like that um, I think that's an absolutely brilliant feature. I found so much good music through that. Right, um, right, yeah. And like you said, with YouTube's autoplay as well, yeah, found so many creators, so many videos that I never really would have, have gone and searched for before and found through that way. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I was writing it down. I was writing decision decision fatigue, and it almost felt bad calling it fatigue because I, I imagine me sat there with a remote you know, <laughs> kind of going through it. I was like, this isn't fatigue. It's just... You know, I never thought too much choice would ever be a problem for, for, for me as a consumer, but, you know, here we are. There is, and there's an argument to say there is, right? There is, there is sometimes less is is more. Um, and that's a very, I think, fine needle to thread, to be honest. But, yeah, I do think there's an argument for um, at least a streamlined choice experience, right? It doesn't mean to say the whole catalogue has to be thinned, but in terms of what I have to choose from, is somehow maybe um, streamlined in some way, and 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 you know I think the the solution to that is is still up for grabs to some extent. Yeah, no, I think I'll definitely be picking up the book you recommended as well, so I'll read through that. So I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, really interested read. in that topic. Really um, and then David, this is a question we ask at the end of every episode, um, and it's just in one word. If you had to sum it up in one word and one word only, what do you envision for the future of the broadcasting industry? It's a great question. Um, let's say longevity. That would be my word. That's one we we've, we haven't had anything close to that before. It's always been kind of change innovation, always focused on this kind of not short term. I know it's quite long term as well, but but just hearing longevity, you know, you know, there's hope there, isn't there? Yeah, that's a great word for it. I think it's going. It is going somewhere, but it's not going away, right? I think that's the great thing about this industry is that we we are we are all still needing to be entertained. <laughs> And I can't think of a better way to do that than through our, our industry, honestly. No, I think that's brilliant. Um, I think that. that I'm other things, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a tough question, anyway. Do you know? What I, I mean? don't want to encourage people to spend their lives in front of the television. <laughs> I think we should get outside and do other things too, especially after this, oh, this yes, year we've yeah, had. Yeah, it's more important than ever. Um, so yeah, David, thank you for joining us today. I really do appreciate it. Okay. You, you've shed some really great insight on some of the topics that we talked about. Um, are there any exciting projects in the pipeline for you that you can talk to us about, or is it all under wraps at the moment? Well, I have a new job, um, which I'm really enjoying over at um, the Walt Disney Company. I'm, I'm really uh, enjoying that that part of the business. I'm working now for you know for a customer having worked for so long for a service provider in, in AWS. Um, so seeing things in different light that's really exciting. 
Um, I just moved house. Well, and that's, you know, as I'm sure everyone who's listening to this who has ever had to go through that um, that process, it's um, it's been certainly um, up, up, um, upheaving, but we're very, very excited to be in our new place. And um, yeah, um, so, and, uh, you know, I have a one-year-old son, so that's kind of, uh, that kind of takes up a lot of my time, uh, you know, um, day to day. So a lot of exciting stuff going on, absolutely. Yeah, no, congratulations on the position, obviously the house move. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things going on for you at the moment then, David. You've got quite a few things to juggle. <laughs> yeah, I do, um, but it's all good, right? Life's good, I have to say. Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely tell through your career, obviously, you, you're probably not the kind of person who ever wants to sit still. Uh, in any respect are you certainly not for too long (laughs) (laughs) oh i love that um and then how can people get in touch with you directly if they want to talk about anything that you've talked about today or or anything like that yeah i would say just like look um look me up on linkedin um i'm I'm pretty active on that um it's one of the few social media sites i really participate in and um so yeah that would be the best way for sure yeah awesome so what we'll do david we'll link to your linkedin profile in the description of the podcast as well so anyone on spotify apple music head to the description you can find david's links in there awesome so yeah david thanks very much i really do appreciate it it's been a a great episode yeah no thanks for inviting me i've enjoyed the conversation cheers david thanks